Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, here we are recording our final podcast episode of the season before the playoffs start. So I want to check in with you on our two teams. Of course, I'm talking about the Tampa Bay Rays and the Cincinnati Reds, our alternate teams, which we have not talked about literally once at all during this whole baseball season. And yet here we are, and um, my boys are making the playoffs. The boys brought it home. They did. They, you know, they really did. And there's been a lot of agony over the last couple months watching the the Tampa Bay Rays, which is the baseball team of which I am a fan, as you might know if you listen to the podcast. Um, yes. The, yeah, so the Tampa Bay Rays, I mean, they played a lot of baseball games this year. And they won Not more really. than they lost. They didn't really play that many, but okay. They didn't play that many games is what I was going to say. But still, they, they won some. And the upshot of it all is that they're going to they're gonna continue playing some baseball games over, over the next week, potentially up to the next month. So Have that's you watched really a where- single Rays game this year? <laughs> Just one Rays game. I, I want to know, did you watch a single Rays game? I don't think, I, not start to finish. I don't think I, mean, I watched a single Rays game. Who has watched a Have single Rays game a, a, start to finish? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've tuned in here or there. They're mm. still a fun baseball team. They're good. I can name a few guys, which is, I think, their criteria of being a fan, right? Yes. Well, actually, as you know, listeners tune in to hear us name players on the Rays. So why don't you just go for it? Just Ryan Yarbrough. Yeah. All right, you're up. Yeah, Bre- Brandon Lowe. Lau? Lowe? Willie Adamas. Should we keep going? Or should we switch uh, to the Reds? All right. Um, Mike Zanino. We got Sonny Gray. <laughs> Reds also good. For the listeners who have tuned in this year and started following us this year, you have no idea what we're talking about. And what we're referencing is that before each baseball season, and by each baseball season, I mean just at the last two baseball seasons when we thought of this dumb bit, we draft alternate teams to root for. As you know, I'm a Mets fan. As you know, Alex is an A's fan. We draft a second team to sort of expand the purview of our fandom. And then we completely forget about that team all year and don't actually expand the purview of our fandom. So as you know, podcast bits mean nothing. Podcasts are not real life. That's what they say, right? That is what they say. So here's our obligatory check-in with those teams so that nobody can accuse us of not actually being fans of them. I've watched so many Reds games this year. That's actually not a lie. I have kind of watched a lot of Reds games this year. That's Nick Castellanos. There, there. That's a Reds player, Joey yeah, Votto. There you go, Joey. That's wow. You're on a roll right now. You're I'm, three for three. Yes, I refuse to say the other guy's name that I was about to say because then I'd have to put a quarter in the jar. That is true. Jesse Winker. He Jesse plays for the, Winker. the Cincinnati Reds. Amir Garrett. Amir Garrett. Yeah, love that guy. Uh, okay, let's never talk about those two teams ever again. What do you say? This was this was a lot of fun. I want to. Th- uh, thank the Tampa Bay Rays and the Cincinnati Reds for welcoming us to uh, to their bandwagon. Uh, it was fun when we mentioned them at the beginning of the year, and it was almost as fun when we mentioned them at the end. Let's uh, like two let's, boats passing let's not, in the night. Let's let's not do this again next spring training. Okay, sounds good. 
<laughs> we're going to talk about just the year in review. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a playoff preview conversation in our own special fun way. But before we get to all of that, I'm Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Baisley. And you're listening to Tipping Pitches. Alex, this is a special happy hour tipping pitches. Recording this on Friday night, September 25th. Normally we reserve our recordings for Sunday afternoons, which would have been a much better time to record this podcast this week, seeing as uh, there's like four teams which we don't (laughs) know if they're going to make the playoffs. The entire league is just undecided at this point, yeah. But you know, we're busy on Sunday this week, and guess what? You don't come to us to hear updates about who made the playoffs. I hope you don't go to any podcast for updates about who made the playoffs because it's 2020. You can just check Twitter. Uh, But yeah, it's Friday evening. It's Friday night for you. We're having a couple drinks, having a couple Aperol spritzes, just talking about talking about the baseball season. What do you say? You want to talk about baseball? We don't often do this. That's fine. Let's talk about the the Major League Baseball postseason before we actually know like any idea of what 30% it's 30% of like. the teams. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. The the National League is just complete chaos right now. Cool. We are going to do a little bit of a playoff preview conversation. We are going to do a little bit of a season in review conversation. But first, part of that season in review, I guess, you could consider the all-gift draft, which we kicked off this season with. And much like we um, just joked about at the beginning of our show with the Reds and the Rays, we have not talked about that since then very often. So let's check in. How did we do? Did, did Were we bested by our friends and guests that we invited on the podcast? Do you want to run down the list of teams for the people? Sure. So I will, uh, I will list out our team, our team of five, and then I'll list out our, the, the friends of the pod team of five as well. So, um, so on our squad, we doesn't start out great. We had Yasiel Puig. Really tough choice. Forgot that we tough took him choice. first overall. Fortunate choice. We really banked on him getting signed by a team, and then that just didn't happen. So uh, just a bit, big middle finger to all the all the major league baseball teams who didn't didn't sign one of the most electrifying, fun young players in baseball. Why didn't that happen? That's that's a good question. Wait, we promised each other before we started this podcast that this would be a free flowing conversation. So let's let's explore this. Why okay. didn't Yasiel Puig get signed? It it feels like the kind of scenario in which. You have a player who's asking for a decent amount of money, most likely. And if you don't have a spot for him, it's a 60-game season. Why are you basically going to... I mean, you're effectively, from an owner's perspective, you see, it's so easy. We're so conditioned to just talk from like the perspective of baseball owners, right? Because I'm about to say, yeah, you but might as well just flush that money down the drain, right? Like... <laughs> Yasiel wow. Puig is a good baseball player, but he is not the baseball player he was three or four years ago. And it's a bit of a gamble of what you're going to get on him. And I'm my guess, honestly, is that a lot of teams were basically like, we're going to cut our losses this year. We have a dozen prospects that we can call up that are going to cost us little to nothing. And the entire season is a crapshoot anyway. Let's just... Why sign a guy for seven or eight million dollars or whatever he was going to ask for 
when we could just not do that and hope we luck our way into the postseason, right? Like, like guys like Yasiel Puig were always going to get hurt by this because they're the fringe players, the like middle market players who, when push comes to shove, like teams are more than happy to just be like, yeah, we don't need you. Yeah, he's just good enough to demand more money than the teams want to pay. Yes, but not exactly. good enough to actually demand and earn the money that teams don't want to pay, like Manny Machado or Bryce Harper or whoever. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. Although I will say, Cleveland made the postseason with next to no one in their outfield. Like I don't even you and me might be playing right field by the second round if they make it there, and that's no shade to the people who are on. Cleveland, but they're all fourth outfielders. They're just playing three fourth outfielders in the outfield right now. No shade to all the baseball players on the Cleveland baseball team, but you're all scrubs. They're kind of scrubs. Is what Bobby's. But and they're playing but like that, scrubs. Their offense is horrible. Outside of yes. Jose Ramirez, nobody hits on that team. Yeah, you're right. And Lindor, but I, also th- I guess, who's having an okay year. Who's having an standards. okay year. But I also think that speaks to like the reason that Yasiel Puig doesn't get signed, right? Is because in a short season that kind of thing doesn't matter, right? Like you can have a, a collection of really great pitchers who you may even trade to the Padres for who knows why. Yeah. And and somehow stumble your way into the postseason anyway, right? Yeah. And well, you know, and the old he, adage is why sign Yasiel Puig when you can just trade Mike Clevenger for Josh Naylor. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that saying goes. Moneyball too, baby. Yeah, Moneyball 2.0. Okay, we chose Yasiel Puig. Who did we choose? We second? chose Yasiel Puig. We chose Tim Anderson. Big win. Big, pick. Big win. Big That's pick. the AL Big MVP win. right there. And it's possible, yeah. And we chose the NL MVP as well. All right. Fernando. MVP Fern- ballots. AL first. Go. <laughs> Jose Abreu. And we chose Fernando Tatis uh, Jr. as well. I think that pick turned out okay as well. He turned out to... Um, be pretty good at, at hitting and throwing baseballs on a consistent basis. I'd like to claim victory on that one. I'd like to say that was a good choice. That was a good choice, yes. I think that maybe he would not have fallen to wherever we, with the fifth pick, sixth pick, sixth pick. Sixth, yeah. I don't think five people would go ahead of him in a redraft scenario. Yeah, that's true. Big win for us. Big win in our in our keeper. We all set the tone on Fernando Tatis' year. We did it. <laughs> Um, we drafted Luis Robert. Um, that was a reach. That was a that was a, a bit of a stretch. Although it was kind of our you know high risk high reward pick. That's okay. I feel good about it. Do you want to hear a fun fact about Luis Robert? Sure. He's like seven for eighty this month with no extra base hits. So eh, tailed off a little bit at the end there. Was that was that that was the fun fact? Yeah, that was the is fun. that he's doing incredibly poorly. Fun is all about perspective, my friend. <laughs> That's true. Fun for all of the White Sox opposing pitchers. Yes, exactly. Fun for Shane Bieber. <laughs> Our final pick was Max Scherzer. Oh my god. We didn't do that well. The, uh, overall actually not not incredibly great. I mean, Scherzer was fine. Yeah, they just feel so out of the conversation. Yeah. We were really up and down this year. Okay, not, who did our not friends where choose? the zeitgeist was was focused for sure. Our friends chose Francisco Lindor, courtesy of Shakia Taylor. A good choice. Uh, our good friend Hannah Kaiser chose Andrew McCutcheon. That feels like a win. Again, feels like a like a solid 
Lindor and McCutcheon feel like seven out of tens this year, which is, I mean, better than we did on some of our picks. Matt Chapman by one Meg Rowley. Tough. L- a little bit of a tough pick. Got him. Yeah. He made a lot of really good defensive plays this year, though. He made more yes. errors than usual. Does that count? Yes. Is that like demerits? You know, like a gif of you making an error? Do you like lose a point? We've never really made any kind of scoring system for this. So, I- <laughs> Right. A gif is a gif, right? All gifs are good gifs, I think, as the old adage goes. Sure. Okay, who was fourth? And we had Yoannis. Then we had Yoannis <laughs> Cespedes, picked by our friends Cespedes Family Barbecue. Oh wow! I think we won it on that one. I think I think that might be the one that pushes it over the edge. Yeah, I think we won it. And uh, and then they picked G Man Choi as well as their final pick. Yeah, I like that choice though. Okay, I feel wh- like I feel like we win this year. Let's put up a poll for the listeners. We'll put the link to the article in the tweet. We'll put up a poll. We'll say who won, who created the greatest gifts of the 2020 season. I think we're going to pull this one out just on Fernando Tatis alone. I mean, he's a lock first overall pick next year. Absolute lock. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really incredible that I think we were still hanging in there at the end of the year, despite the fact that our first overall pick didn't play a single (laughs) baseball game (laughs) this year. Now that I'm rethinking it, I mean, the Cespedes thing, he hit a home run in like his first series. In his first game, so that means that he did way more than Puig did for us. Our first that overall is... pick. <laughs> Can you count Puig's TikToks as gifts? Can you gift that? Yeah, the problem is he stopped posting new TikToks around the start of the season. Jesus so Christ, we're fucked. We're we're actually, in hindsight, we're maybe not doing too great. But the, but the listeners can decide. As always, we leave it up to the listeners. Don't admit defeat before you're told you, that you've been defeated. Should we talk about how the actual baseball season went? Not yeah. our, our arbitrarily decided <laughs> moving images that we can't even describe to you over a podcast? Yeah, let's talk about baseball, which we don't do that often. Do you want to talk about baseball? Yeah. Let's, let's talk, let's talk the, the ball. Last year, around this time, we did a little bit of a season in review conversation. I asked you if this was a good season of baseball. Just a very broad question, which is how most of our segments start. And that's how this one is going to start. My question for you this year is, was this a worthwhile endeavor? And you interpret that however you feel, whatever's in your heart, you know? This is a looser pod than we usually are. Like I mentioned, this is a happy hour pod, you know? We had a couple Aperol spritzes, maybe an IPA. How do you feel? Was this a worthwhile endeavor? 60 games of pandemic baseball, cardboard cutouts, CGI fans, only uh, playing against your geographic counterparts. Would you describe this as a worthwhile endeavor? So in thinking about baseball this year, I, in preparation for this discussion, I kind of just wrote down you prepared ideas <laughs> prepared. It might be a bit of a strong word. I wrote down words. Why didn't you tell beforehand. me I would have prepared for this? <laughs> I, I, I wrote down things that happened this year that we kind of have, have touched on before that we had to contend with as baseball fans that we maybe did not have to contend with prior to this year. And they felt like it kind of fell into 
three different buckets. There was the like technical logistical aspect of the baseball game, right? There were a bunch of rule changes that we really didn't talk about this whole year, but we had a universal DH. We had the new extra inning rule. Both bad. We had a three batter minimum. Crimes we had the seven inning double headers, which like kind of became a really big thing once it turned out that everyone actually was going to get COVID. Like the um, thing. Like that was, <laughs> that was the, the thing, thing of the year. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then obviously expanded postseason. Then we had the the quote unquote business aspect of things, which obviously every single one of these is a business decision. Some are just masked better than others, but that being Good the the, lab, the <laughs> that being the the labor strife leading up to the season, and which will really continue to dominate the narrative for the next year, as well as minor league contraction. More on that from me in three up, three down, but we'll hold till then. <laughs> and then obviously the 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 socio cultural aspect of it, which was a we're deciding to play. Um, the sport of baseball during a global pandemic and just kind of plowing ahead like it's a normal thing. You mentioned no fans, cardboard fans. Optics be damned. Optics be damned. <laughs> and uh, and baseball's like slow engagement with the outside world, right? Like the Black yeah. Lives Matter movement, the protests rocking the country, it's hesitant embrace of these ideas and quick co-opting of them. There's a lot there. And I want to say not just it's slow embrace of it, but it's slow embrace and then it's quick let go. Yep. Mm -hmm. Which I think is obviously extremely relevant this week as a grand jury in Louisville decided not to indict the three officers who murdered Breonna Taylor on any charges other than wanton endangerment. And MLB is nowhere to be found. The Rays, who tweeted, today is a great day to arrest the cops who killed Breonna Taylor on opening day, are nowhere to be found. Yeah, MLB is still plastering their hashtag BLM logo on mounds. Only when they don't have a Doosan sponsorship sold, but yes. Yeah. Tough beat for Deuce on that they're the only company that I ever remember whenever I make that um, dark, I mean, it seems dark like, joke. It seems like a great beat for them. That's free advertising from tipping pitches. Yeah, no free ads. <laughs> no more free ads. <laughs> um, But it's been a weird baseball year. That seems like an obvious sentence to say, but it was kind of weirder than I thought it would be. So that brings us back to my question then. Alex, to you, was it a worthwhile endeavor? Was it like, I mean that, I mean that earnestly. Like, was it for you to watch baseball, for baseball to exist so that you could watch it, so that people like you could watch it, so that millions of people across the country could watch it? Was it a worthwhile endeavor for them to do this? I, I, I honestly don't even feel like I'm the person to answer that question, right? Because I'm so far removed from the equation of whether or not it was worth it because I'll never be tangibly impacted by this decision. Right. And there are plenty of people whose literal livelihoods actually were impacted by the decision to play baseball this year. Eduardo Rodriguez pitcher for the Red Sox um, is close to walking again after his treatment for um, 
his heart condition brought on by COVID. He's close to walking again. I'm Three just months later. Say, saying that again because of, you know, global pandemic. So was it a f- like a, a fun, enjoyable baseball season? Sure. I'm biased. I like watching baseball and I get pleasure out of a lot of the games. Um, did it feel kind of worth it? Uh, like, am I being a downer if I say no? You know, like if a, like there was a lot of stuff that was weighing on me as I was watching these games. Imagine being three and a half years into this podcast and feeling bad about being a downer. <laughs> Tipping pitches. We're you, downers. Yeah. If this is the first episode you've ever listened to, this is exactly what the rest of the podcast is like. <laughs> Chaotic energy here for you if you're if you're new. I think that there is a way to say, I feel like I've seen this take a lot out in the world about a myriad of different topics, but the idea that you should be able to hold two thoughts in your head and they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. And those two thoughts for me on this topic are that we could have had a a quote unquote successful by baseball standards season where they executed it at times. It looked like it wasn't going to happen. And you see a lot of beat reporters sharing the sentiment. You see them being like, well, credit to MLB credit to the players, credit to the people who took this seriously that we had a couple outbreaks, but then after that, things were under control. I think that can be true. And I can also think that the process was fucking horrible the whole year. That it was reckless at almost every turn. They probably shouldn't have done it in the way that they did it. And they should have only done it if they had a much better plan than they actually did. And that they got lucky that nothing more serious happened. I think all of that is true. And I also think because of what you said, because because of a lot of people's literal livelihoods depend on baseball happening, for better or worse, that is this gigantic ecosystem, this gigantic marketplace, that I think that it, it was a worthwhile endeavor to try. I think it would have been obviously better if they did a better job at at prioritizing the correct things. And that extends to almost everything that we've talked about this year, about how they've just gone about their business. And I stress the word business because it was so clear how often it was just a business. Whether that be, you know, 17 players on one team contracting COVID and them just being like, well, this is why we have the alternate site. Or whether that be, you know, a a quasi-climate crisis causing low air quality and MLB being like, well, we... (laughs) We got to squeeze in these games. I don't know if you've heard about this. <laughs> I mean, Jeff Wilpon said it better than anyone. It's really very hard to reschedule games. So let's just go. Uh, let's just go back into the locker rooms for an hour and come back out later and see if the climate crisis is over. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've said this uh, like a million times in this podcast, but like you, we have to be able to hold those all of those things in our head at the same time as true. And that's the that's the life of being a sports fan in 2020 is that there's just contradictions at every turn you know my colleagues at the ringer did a story about <laughs> the nba owners and their franchise and their their players embrace of progressive social issues such as black lives matter such as police reform and and a few nba players are supporting police abolition very few not Charles Barkley. Compared to the owners 
political donations, most of which go to Republican candidates. Shocker. If you're a baseball fan listening to this, shocker. A billionaire (laughs) donating to Republican political candidates. And all of that applies in baseball, too. All of that applies in all sports in 2020. And, you know, one of the most profound things that I can remember from doing any of the pods that we've done with guests this year was when um, Jess Scarane was on and she said, we still have to be able to take enjoyment from things that we want to criticize in the world. Otherwise, like we're going to drive ourselves crazy. And it's not constructive for us as individuals, for us as, you know, laborers and workers in society to just be driving ourselves crazy with what like billionaires are doing that's evil all of the time like we have to be able to sometimes set things aside and actually just enjoy the things that we love and in this case it's baseball and that sucks you're a lot you'd of like t- to to separate the art from the artist bobby i'd like to separate the sport uh, from the owners <laughs> like literally let's separate, separate the, the the art of of mets losses uh from the artist those are Mets the, learning the experiences money. to you, Alex. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. Pardon me. That's how I feel about this year. I, that's so convoluted, but I guess like fair. This is the right year to have a convoluted take about the season. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no reasonable place to land on any of this. Like, I think that wherever, I I think there's no reasonable place to land, and I think there's no wrong answer. Right. If we had a third person on this podcast right now and they said, I didn't watch any baseball at all this year for all of the reasons that you just listed out, I'd be like, good. If that felt right to you, good. Because it felt wrong to me a lot of times to be watching it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I, uh, maybe this is grounds for turning this podcast off, but I didn't watch a ton of baseball this year. I have watched like more, more games in past years than I have this year. I watched a couple dozen games this year, probably. And shit I don't follow you for shit, it. I don't follow you for it. felt kind of weird, man. Yeah. So let's now pivot in time and space to the future, and let's talk about the playoffs. Here's my overarching general question that I know you're not going to be able to answer, but you're going to give me a very long, drawn-out, thoughtful answer anyway. Does this playoffs matter? Does it matter? Oh, God. Because... Here's why I ask this, because I see people, when this question gets asked, it's obviously a hard question and a dumb question to ask, because nothing matters. <laughs> but I see people saying like, well, it matters if the right team wins, and it doesn't matter if the wrong team wins. And I respect that grift. I respect that <laughs> hustle to just be like, well, I could change my mind on the fly. Yeah. But also, I mean, if that's, you're that's saying That's baseball that, fandom right there. Yeah. Doesn't that undermine your point if you're saying at all, if there are some outcomes that you would say it doesn't matter, doesn't that just mean that none of it matters? You wouldn't say that in a normal year. You wouldn't be like, if the White Sox won the World Series in a full 162-game season, you wouldn't be like, well, this season wasn't real. So even the potential that you could have a take that said this season wasn't real. You underestimate the ability of baseball fans to to put on their tinfoil hats at a convenient time. Well, they've been given ammo with 2017 in the Astros and 2018 in the Red Sox. Nothing is real in baseball. Does the playoff do the playoffs matter? Alex is like, if the A's win, then they do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
No. But also, last year's playoffs didn't really matter, and neither do next year's. Like, I think that, like, this is a question that gets really wrapped up in baseball fans and just sports in general. Like, we like to believe that these things have meaning, you know, that that they hold weight in history, that we need to know how to contextualize this season. You know, like, do we immortalize Shane Bieber because he had a historically good year, or do we write it off because it was less than half a season? You know, if the Dodgers finally win their World Series... Shane, I'm with you, brother. I'm immortalizing you. Don't let Alex slander you. Oh, we're absolutely immortalizing Shane Bieber. I mean, I sure. At this point, I think my evolution of this has gone from no, this is kind of all fake and meaningless. None of these outcomes should matter to sure uh it all matters to shrug i don't really care if you include the records or not like i think there is a tendency among sports fans but baseball fans in particular which are so enamored with like the history and the cultural weight of the game that it's yeah. like, well, what does this season mean? And I'm like, I don't know. It meant that we played baseball during a pandemic for 60 games. I don't know how to describe to you what that means in history because this shit's never happened before. So yeah, this I don't this know season, if it means anything at all. Like I, This season felt like it wasn't for the baseball record books. It felt like it was for the history textbooks. I mean, I mean but yes, exactly. Like, no, you obviously cannot place this next to any other baseball season that has happened before because we haven't had something like this happen before. I feel like the players don't care as much this year as other years. <laughs> that's my that's my sports guy on TV take. The players don't give a shit as much as they used to. Good. As I, they shouldn't. <laughs> 100%. 100%. to play the World Series in a neutral site. They're doing a playoff bubble in LA and Texas. They obviously play I mean, a 60 and, game season, which is completely counterintuitive to how baseball usually is. And there's well, and, a bunch of fucking random rule changes that Rob just decided he wanted to implement for almost no reason in the least vacuum of all vacuum scenarios possible. Yes, exactly. Like it seems to me that Major League Baseball, the the entity itself is kind of admitting that this season is just a big shrug emoji. Yeah. So like fuck it. Believe their actions, not their words. Yes, exactly. I think but that's you're right. fine. That's a, that's that's fine with me too. Like I'm okay with that. If we want to acknowledge, like this season, like is 100 percent unprecedented. There's no way to contextualize it. So like, let's just kind of enjoy it for what it is, and get back to it next March. Hopefully, uh, yeah, right. I'm fine with that too. That sucks. I really wanted to see. Shane Bieber strike out 300 batters. I really wanted to see the oh, renaissance. Easy money. It was going to be like 340. Oh, at least. Yeah. I wanted to see the renaissance of Miguel Cabrera. I wanted to see if Luke Voigt was actually Babe Ruth. I want a lot of things. I too want to see if Luke Voigt was Babe Ruth. If he was going to hit 60 home runs or not. Honestly? My man said Roger Maris who? <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. I like your answer. It doesn't matter, but it does matter. 
but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But but I'll I'll watch it because I because I like watching baseball, and I, I I don't know. I think this is a question that future baseball fans will have to reckon with more than current baseball fans because I just think it's too much for us to grapple with. Bro, you want me to deal with 2020 as a year and then also tell you if the baseball season matters? Yeah, sorry, I'm going to tap out on that one. Okay, let's put some weight behind the 2020 baseball season then, Alex. I want to know who you got. Who you got. First of all, wait, before you tell me who you want to win or who you think is going to win, I want to know from you, who do you think is a fraud? Which team do you think is just fraudulent, shouldn't be in, has no shot? (laughs) The A's? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow glorious moment glorious moment the biggest ace fan i know and me i'm wearing an ace shirt in like spiritual support of you and you just called the A's a fraud on our playoff I mean, se- segment i think that's just like fatalistic baseball fan that's always just like no, and i think you as a mets fan maybe have some some uh no mets are getting in still Oh, yeah. Mets Friday night, Mets in. have to win out. Everyone ahead of them has to lose out. Mets are still getting in, bro. Sports fans are are fatalistic, right? Like, unless you're a Yankees, unless you're like a New York or Boston sports fan, like, you kind of never really believe that your team is the real deal. This is Nick's fan erasure, but okay. <laughs> so the A's are fraudulent. Harsh, I mean, it harsh feels, but fair. It feels like every team is fraudulent, but the Dodgers, who I look at and I'm like, this is quite objectively the best baseball team in the league right now. Like, it's almost not a contest. Dodgers versus the field. I don't know what to say. Okay, so is that your choice? I mean, that's like, you know, odds on favorite statistical projections Look at you, you fucking hack favorite yeah pick that chalk choice what a coward in past years we've done predict the headlines so uh, is there going to be a headline in the Los Angeles Times that's like Dodgers win bizarre season and then an op-ed column and like some New York fucking tabloid saying like this one doesn't count and then for the next 15 years we have to debate whether or not this one actually counts because the Dodgers don't win again after this I actually let's do it. I'll have that argument every single every single week. I'll change my mind every week. No, actually it does count. No, actually it doesn't count. Ah, I think it doesn't count. No, actually this week it does count. <laughs> I this is this is just like our general political and cultural discourse is however you feel on a given day, that's what the right or wrong thing is. That's how decisions are made. Welcome to the culture wars. It feels like just most teams just aren't good. Like, I don't know, the Padres? The Padres almost feel like a... They um, Really weird to be saying in 2020, but they almost feel like they're not the favorite, but they feel like the fan favorite, you know? Like the one who's everyone's rooting for, and also they kind of have a pretty good chance. They're the ones I'm probably most excited to watch in the playoffs. Yeah. Aside from the Oakland Athletics. What about you? Who are frauds? Who are frauds? Right, exactly. What about you? What are you feeling? Without without a real dog in the fight. Again, rude. Mets are making it, but fine. Right. People are going to be hearing this when the Mets have already been eliminated. (laughs) But that's fine. 
Uh, I would like Padres, White Sox. Sorry, Alex. Because I think if the A's win, it's just going to grant credence to all of these teams being like, we could spend $30 million and win the fucking World Series. So that's why I can't in good faith root for the A's. So I want Padres, (laughs) White Sox. But I I will root for the A's for you. Um, But I think that it's going to be Dodgers over the Rays. That's my pick. Dodgers over the Rays. Six games. It's going to end up being like Yankees over the Braves in five. Oh, God. That is actually, you just found my worst possible outcome. I know, but you know that the, that's also what's going to end up happening. Uh, I, hate to, I hate to break it to you. Okay, let's end this conversation right here and uh, take a quick break. And when we come back, a surprise guest, and then three up, three down. I wish I knew how it would feel to be free. Alex, we have two surprise guests here with us. Here to tell a story to send off good old friend Jeff Wilpon. We are joined by Jake Vince and Jordan Schuster and Obsessed with Family Barbecue. Hello, guys. Hello. What a pleasure to be back on a Zoom with you, Bobby Wagner, as always. And you, Alex Baisley. That's actually a pleasure. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> guys, about a week ago, we were killing time between podcast recordings, probably waiting for a guest to jump on. And you started to tell me a story about running into Michael Conforto on a commercial airline flight. So... Here to tell that story in full and paint a picture of the Will Pond's time as Mets owners. Jordan, why don't you start us off? All right. 2017 All-Star Game, Miami, Florida. Michael Conforto, the lone Mets representative that year, uh, despite them having uh, plenty of, of good players. He was the only All-Star uh, there on the on, on representing the Metropolitans. And so we we was we saw okay there was all kinds of fun stuff uh, going on and then we, we we enjoyed our week there in Miami and then it was time to return to New York when it was also time for Michael Conforto to return to New York and we arrived at our gate and we realized hey look there's the Mets All Star on our flight now if you're thinking oh those Jake and Jordan hot shots maybe they were sitting no with a normal flight no this is a regular it's not like we were on some sort of first class situation. So we get to the gate and Michael Conforto is there. And the thing about running into Michael Conforto at the gate is that at the time he was one of the most anonymous all-stars who just looks like a guy. And so he wasn't being swarmed by throngs of Miami baseball fans. He was not, he was just there. Throngs. Throngs. Anyway, we're like, huh. That's a little weird that like Michael Conforto is taking this Delta flight back to LaGuardia with us. Uh, Maybe has some miles he needs to to use up or something like that. You know, maybe he's going on a miles. He's going on a miles run. You know, like how the the people who are like super into like getting miles, they'll like go on flights just to get like a certain amount of miles. That's probably what he was doing. That's probably the the Will Ponds. The Will Ponds asked him to do that anyway. So he. He gets on the flight and we get on the flight and we're like, this is weird. Like, why is he on our flight? I'm pretty sure like the Yankees or the Astros, like they both had like five or six all-stars. And I think Houston took a jet. And I just remember this very specific picture of like Verlander and Correa and Altuve, like on a jet, like on a really sick looking jet, drinking champagne, being like, we're all-stars. Like a G6. 
like a G6. And I just remember that image popping up in my head as I walked by Michael Conforto to get to my seat. Now, the Wilpons did seem to get him first class on this Delta oh. flight. Nice. So he didn't have to eat pretzels and drink water. Well, he probably had to drink water. And he probably had to drink a lot of water because we got to our seats and we proceeded to be in our seats for another two hours before the plane took off. Uh, I believe, Jordan, did we have to deplane and replane? Or did we stay grounded? No, the, the, I think we just, stayed grounded. Because I, I think we got... I think we we left, like we started heading towards the runway. It wasn't like we were yes. stuck at the gate. Like we were out on the tarmac. Okay, this is the stuck on the tarmac situation. Mm. And so yes. we were just the whole time. And, and Jake and I remember we were not sitting right next to each other. I remember we were a few rows apart and we were just like texting like, oh, right, like Michael Conforto's on this flight too. Like he's a major league baseball all-star. And he's also having this same delay. And and to Jake's point, right, I could just picture it's like you'd think that the teams are like, oh, we have these all-stars. Let's send them to Miami on their own planes because we're a major league baseball team and, and poor Michael Conforto. Um, it, it was it was really tough. And maybe that is the the story that you would like to illustrate the entire Wilpon uh, reign. Um, it's definitely up there. I don't know if it's number one, but it is a, a simple but very illustrative story. And, you know, like when you're on a flight that gets super delayed, you're cranky, right? But you also don't want to be the person who's complaining about a flight delay because that person also sucks, right? Because everyone's had it. Everyone's on a plane, like whatever. And so Jordan and I are super, like, we're tired. I believe we had spent uh, the night before uh, out pretty late and we were like maybe hungover and this was all With super Michael crappy. Michael Conforto, I assume, at the kitchen. Without Michael Conforto. And every time where we, I felt the pang of this sucks, I just remembered that one of the most important players on the Mets roster, if not the most important, was also there. With slightly more leg room, but just <laughs> as much frustration. My last point on this is that Jake points out that he was not being mobbed by 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 fans uh, at the airport uh, during this flight. However, it is not unreasonable to assume that there were also Mets fans on this flight uh, heading back to LaGuardia with us. Mm. And so I do wonder... Uh, often if there were other people looking around at their friends being like, hey, wait, isn't that like one of our best players? Why is he on this flight with me, a normal person? Mm. Did you try to make any contact? So I think we contemplated it uh, because we do have or some friends that played with him at Oregon State. Uh, and we thought about being like, oh, hey, man, like doesn't. Well, not not when we were delayed, but even just like when we were at the gate, just like. We're the weird Cespedes guys. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But then we well, were like, you we know also, what? we had interviewed him, like, not even had interviewed him in full, but like, I certainly had spoken to him during All-Star Media Day. Right, like, right, right, right. Like, four days earlier. Right. Yeah, so I guess that made it so that uh, maybe you were you, but I think at that point you were like, oh, maybe he'll remember me, or it'll be like, oh, this is weird. There's no way he remembers me. Also, he's Michael Conforto and he shouldn't be on this flight in the first place. So let's leave him alone. Well, that's why I didn't reach out. I should uh, point out that I incorrectly uh, claimed that Justin Verlander uh, was with the Astros on that plane. He was not on the team yet. So I want to <laughs> make that correction. <laughs> Thank you for Tony reallying yourself. That was very well That was done. good. My last question, though, is... Do you think that there's like some kind of feud between the Mets and Yankees to the point that Conforto couldn't even like get on the Yankees flight? Because you know the Yankees were not flying commercial back from All Star Weekend. 
So I'm glad you brought that up because I, I also remember, and I, I'm not going to try and name specifics and get it wrong like Jake just did, but I, I'm pretty sure that there have been situations where all-stars fly together from different teams on the same plane if they're coming from the same city. I can think I mean, of climate change, man. It's just, it's just economical. It's all exactly. going on the same Carpool. flight. Exactly. So like this would be an even more egregious example of that. But you, but okay, but here's the thing. Like, are you saying that the Wilpons are like, oh, just can you just maybe get on the, the Yankees plane? Because I'm sure the Mets would be like, yeah, just get on theirs. They'll pay for it. Great. You think the but Yankees the funny like, thing about that, them. You can't get on our there's plane. A, yeah, there's a the type of like player... That. There's a type of player who could like hop on the Yankees. Uh, there's a type of Mets player who could hop on the Yankees plane and it would be not weird. Yeah. Michael his name Conforto is, Robinson is not Cano. that guy. <laughs> yeah. His name, exactly. Like a hundred percent. Like if Cano had been on the Mets at that point and like he was getting on the plane with like CC and, you know, Aaron judge and whatever, it would be totally cool. Like even like David Wright, right. That would be fine. But there was something about Michael Conforto being super, not famous, being like kind of low key like had probably played the Yankees like once at that point. So it's not like he had like a rapport with them. Just super weird, man. Yeah. It's kind of, it's the kind of thing where like you're, you're going to school with like your, your older brother and all his friends and stuff. And you don't really know anyone. So you just sit in the back on your phone the whole time. And it's incredibly awkward. Imagining Michael Conforto in that situation is actually pretty great. It feels like well, it brings me a little bit closer to him. Cause there, there is, okay. I, private jets are, are, are probably really cool. I've never been on one, but they have their time and place. You've never been right? on a private like, jet bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. Uh, private jets have a. There's a time and place for them. There's <laughs> time and place for. A private this is the jet. wrong podcast for that take. <laughs> well, no. I can I. God damn it! My point is, if you're gonna fly a private jet, like renting one out to go to the All Star game, where you're, like you're celebrating essentially like your life's accomplishment with a bunch of your teammates and your success, like okay, fine. If you're gonna get on a private jet and go to Miami. For the all-star game and yeah. you and six teammates, great. They're, it's like, like the limo that, to prom of all-star games. Exactly. It's the limo to prom. And what is so funny to me is the Mets did the equivalent of like calling Michael Conforto an Uber by himself <laughs> to go to prom. Uber Except black. in the air. And Uber black. the Uber was four hours late. So like, but th- this is the this is the point, right? Should every major league team fly all of their players everywhere in private jets all the time? I mean, no. you could make that argument that they could afford it and they should do that to treat their major leaguers well, fine. But th- this that was the point. Is that this is an all-star game. And he was their only all-star, which of course probably was the reason they were like, ah, let's just push this guy into the flight instead of giving Michael Conforto by himself a private jet. But like, come on, you, you'd think you'd be celebrating it. Who makes the phone call? Sounds to me like, like Tony Clark should have gotten involved. Well, this is the, okay. Yes. This is the thing. Who like I, that, that's what I'm picturing here, right? Is Conforto's like, oh my god, I made the All Star team, great. He's just thinking about that All Star game now. Now, I guess we don't know how he got there, right? This was on the way back. This is maybe also an important uh, note. I ask a question. He actually drove a U-Haul. <laughs> you <laughs> with all of his gear in the back. For you guys, you guys are understandably and like I would say definitely not pro private jet. Like that is cool. Like I don't think. Private jets are super necessary either, but there's also something super sad about putting Miguel Conforto on Miguel. a Delta flight. Miguel. So, like, Miguel. what's the right move? That, like, what do we want? 
Right. Like it's, it's either Michael Conforto or like the executive of some company that's like drilling oil wells in some far flung nation. Right. Like I guess I'd rather it be Michael Conforto being the one flying first jet on my Delta Airlines flight. Um, I think we should have put him in United Economy and said, get on, go to work, bro. This is what the rest of the country has to do. Michael Conforto flies through it. They don't make baseball players like they used to. Back in my day, we would walk to the All-Star game. I have one more. I have one more thing to contribute to to this conversation. Okay. As we are discussing the logistics of the flights and whatnot. All right. The Mets, before this All-Star game, were in St. Louis the weekend before. Okay. And there were two Cardinals All-Stars. We had Yadier Molina and Carlos Martinez. So I don't know if he was on. I. It seems no. unlikely that they that they would have let he him. He would have even less to talk about with those two than with the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So so again, that seems very unlikely. And we don't know, which means he was probably on a solo flight uh, from St. Louis to Miami and then from Miami to New York all by himself. Well, with us. And that's what matters. With with you guys just, being the, the, the key operator. And you yeah, didn't yeah. even keep him company. <laughs> what were we going to do? Were we going to go up there and be like, hey, Miguel, want to kill some time? We're, you know, reminiscing about the beavers. Like, what? How's that going to work? Yeah, like, what do you say? Like, hey, nice game. Like, did he play? Like, wh- Yes. Yes, he went one for two. We know we could say, you know, we could say, Jake, to really wrap this nice knock, really, really, really tie bow on this. We could be like, hey, I remember seeing you in Brooklyn and we didn't think you were going to be very good. (laughs) That's true. I thought I thought it meant Rosario was going to be better. That's true. (laughs) That is a fact. I think you and a lot of other prospect analysts. Good for Mikhail Conforto. Michael. Michael. (laughs) Mikhail. (laughs) Mikhail Conforto. Uh, okay, well, that's all I have for you, Alex. Do you have any other pressing questions about this uh, very important story? I don't think I have any pressing questions, but I'm really just kind of curious how that how that memory sits with him now. You know, mm. three now three years removed from that. Does he ever like throw that in in the in the Mets' face? Like, hey, remember when you threw me on a Delta Airlines flight back and he's to at New Arb? York? That's definitely Is coming he? up in the extension uh, negotiations. Oh, for sure. But like, okay, how many guys is enough to have a flight for just that? You're still stuck okay, on the private jet thing as if we know any of the answers to any of your questions about a private jet. I can't tell you the first thing about a private jet. Where does the private jet even land? Is there a separate part of the airport where the private jet lands? I've never Do seen I... a private jet taking off. I've been on plenty of flights in my day. I've never seen a fucking G6 mm. taking off from the same runway as me. I don't know anything about private jets, Jake. Stop asking me questions about private jets. I, mean, I don't know. How many people? Because okay, if I I'm mean, Yachty, if I'm Yachty, if I'm Yachty, I'm getting one for myself because it's like fuck it, I'm Yachty Molina, like I can afford that. Can he though? Well, like, how much yeah, is it to fly yes, a private jet yes. one way? Yes. Oh, ab- yes. yeah, absolutely. Yes. I mean, that's- my thinking about private jets is like, if you think that it's possible, <laughs> it probably is. Like, if Yachty or yeah. Molina wanted a private jet for himself, he could get it, and it would land in front of his hotel. I mean, who's <laughs> the worst major leaguer who could afford a private jet? Right. I mean. <laughs> Well, okay. Like, so. could like could like Jed Jorko if you wanted to like get a private jet? I don't think so, man. I I think it's more expensive than you think. All right, so Conforto signed for three million 
uh, his $3 million signing bonus, which probably puts him in range if he had saved a lot of that for at least one private jet ride. But he was only making a minimum, too. I mean, 500 k is pretty good. But is it worth it for your for your? By the way, if it's landing not at LaGuardia, also super worth it, right? Because that's another element that would be yeah. He's more, gonna go from uh, LaGuardia to where he lives. Yeah. Yo, don't hate on LaGuardia. Don't hate on LaGuardia. I, I'm a pro LaGuardia guy. It takes me 12 minutes to drive there from where I live, so I'm, LaGuardia is great. This has been a Delta ad, actually. Believe it or not. <laughs> okay, guys. Thank you. Congratulations to. Michael Conforto for making the all-star team in 2017. Congratulations and now to that Steve Cohen owns the team net jets for everyone. Yes. Congratulations. You just get a, you just like Oprah. You just get a jet at the, the second you walk into the locker room. Uh, and congratulations to the Wilpons for effectively cheap skating their way to selling the franchise for two and a half billion dollars. Yeah. Congratulations Mazel to the tov. $700 they got to, they got to pocket by putting him on, putting Michael Conforto on a Delta flight. That's that's respect. I respect the penny pinching. They used it well. Quando io sono solo con te, sogno immerso in una tazza di te. Thank you, Jake Thank you to Jordan Schusterman for that wonderful story that illustrates the Wilpon era of the New York Mets. Should we get into three up, three down? We should get into three up, three down. What do you want to do first? It's the final regular season, three up, three down. Let's do down first. I think we have some. I think we have some some fun some fun downs this week. Even if they're sapping our baseball joy, they're bringing us personal joy. Well, I don't know if I would describe mine as bringing me personal joy, but they're funny. <laughs> okay. So it's all about that's, sacrificing that's my joy for the joke, which is mostly right. what this podcast is about. Yes, exactly. Do it for the bit. My first down this week is something that I already mentioned, which is um, the the World Series is happening at a neutral site. That's just kind of a downer. That's weird, man. It's like not going to be as fun to watch objectively. I have such fond memories of watching the World Series, even when my team is not there, since they've only made it twice in my lifetime and I was like five for the first time. Just because of the energy, the vibe, Joe Buck getting buried under the crowd noise because he's just trying to do this monotone, straight-laced announcer voice. I love it all. I love all of it. And it's just going to be weird at a neutral site. It's going to be weird without fans. Obviously, I understand why we can't have fans there and shouldn't have fans there, even though they might have fans there, which is a weird choice. But it happening at a neutral site, and especially it happening in Texas, where it's really only happening there because they're doing a, a favor to the owner. Like the existence of baseball is basically just a bunch of rich guys doing favors for each other. And that's how we've gotten to the point that we're at. So, like, knowing that going into the fucking World Series, the World Series, it's kind of a downer. My take is that the neutral site thing doesn't bother me, given the fact that there are no fans there. If I mean, if I'm a fan of either of the two teams in the World Series, I'm kind of bummed about it because you don't get to see the the stadium that you have gone to maybe many times featured on a national stage. That said, without fans there, it doesn't really bother me that much because everything else just feels like it's, I don't know, happening on such an alternate spectrum as it is that like, am I going to notice if it's being played at, you know, 
a warehouse in Texas as opposed to a baseball stadium in Chicago. Congrats to the White Sox or Cubs for making the World Series in Alex's <laughs> theoretical mind. <laughs> One or both. <laughs> I don't know. Hold on. It's, wait. I don't, can we banish the neutral site Texas thing if the Cubs and the White Sox make it? Like, does Rob have the authority to just be like, ah, nah, never mind. Let's just do it in Chicago. <laughs> Windy I City. Mean, yes, he absolutely has the authority to do that, right? Like, he rammed through seven inning doubleheaders like a week into the season. So, low key underrated aspect of this is that if there's like two Chicago teams or two California teams or two New York teams, since the Mets are making it in, obviously, we're just going to do the World Series like all the way in Texas just because. <laughs> just cause. Despite, despite the fact that these teams have been playing at their home sites for the last two months. Like, down the street from each other. Sure. Uh, baseball is fine. <laughs> Everything is fine. What's your first down? First down on my, uh, my list is a, is a tweet, as it always is. This is from one, uh, from one Jerry Seinfeld. He tweeted this week in reference to the Mets broadcast. He tweets, Gary, you are the best. He's talking to Gary Cohen. And he says, but it is not technically correct with two outs and two strikes in the ninth to say the Nats are down to their final strike because a base hit gives them at least two more strikes. It would be accurate to say the Mets need only one strike. Mm-hmm. That's on my three down because that's not true, Jerry. <laughs> Look, I, you know, much respect for you to build a career off of a, off of a sitcom that wasn't actually funny. I respect it. I respect the hustle. I oh really do. This is such an anti-Seinfeld podcast. I've never even watched it. <laughs> <laughs> it yes, is shocking it, yeah, it how really anti-Seinfeld this podcast is hosted by two 24-year-old white men. <laughs> Who live in or have lived in Brooklyn. That's not, yes, the Nats were down to their final strike. If they had gotten one more strike, the game would have been over. Yeah, shut that's up, nerd. How this thing, shut up, nerd. That's how this thing works. Let's just shame Jerry Seinfeld until he comes on the show. I don't even want him on the show, Me you know? Either. Yeah. Except it would do wonders for our numbers. Absolutely. But we, but we don't want it that way. We don't want that cheap way. We want to remain small and independent and make no money from this. That's yes, the goal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Podcasters in bedrooms getting... I like that. I like that. Thank you for bringing an anti-Jerry Seinfeld take to the podcast. Much appreciated. Of course. What's next for you? Number two down for me is also about the New York Mets. Shocking. I know. Shocking. I'm seeing a couple people being like... uh Let's sign Trevor Bauer this offseason. He is an upcoming free agent. We are past the 45-minute mark. We are past the 45-minute mark. We are safe. I'll give you a quarter if you want anyway. I just, I got it like that, you know? (laughs) Man, no, we can't sign Trevor Bauer. The Mets can't sign Trevor Bauer. The The first move of the Cohen era? The Cohen era? In gilded letters, you know, in Disney I mean, font across the screen, the Cohen era. 
Actually, that would be the perfect move to kick off the Cohen era. Oh Are my you kidding God. me? I know, I know. That Dude. is like the move to make. It just lines up too perfectly. And by perfectly, I mean too awfully. I'm worried now. Because enough people are being like Trevor Bauer, a free agent, coming off a great year. Mets pitching is obviously struggling. You know, they're probably not going to re-sign Stroman. Cindergaard coming back from Tommy John. DeGrom's amazing. I mean, have you forgotten about David Peterson, number three starter? Seems like most Mets fans have forgotten about David Peterson, number three starter. Well, it would be DeGrom, Bauer, and Peterson, obviously. Well, I mean, Peterson can, I mean... Pitch on days two and three. You're so fucking wrong about this. I <laughs> I don't know how else to tell you this other than to yell at you repeatedly on the podcast. He's I good. Like David, I like him. He's oh, good. He's a fine pitcher. My name is Alex, and I have the audacity to bring up FIP against Bobby, who's like built his whole fucking life around FIP. All he cares about is FIP. <laughs> Shut up, Alex. FIP in your rookie year doesn't matter. Okay? He's got obviously a really good slider. That's it. He's a good Fifth slider. And your rookie year doesn't matter. This is the anti-Seinfeld, anti-Sabermetrics podcast. Dude, you just got done telling me about how this season is going to be stricken from the record books, yet you want to throw out FIP to me about David Peterson's rookie year in a fucking pandemic. Cut the guy some slack. It's weird playing baseball in a pandemic, especially if you're a rookie. He's good. He's good. Happy Happy Hour Pod is going way off the rails here. It's Whatever. Fine. Mets, it's don't fine. sign Trevor Bauer. That's all I have to say. Enough people are saying it on Mets Twitter, and plenty of people are saying, obviously, we shouldn't do that. But <laughs> just let him go sign with like, the Red Sox or something, or the Yankees. God, I know. Oh, my God. That's too perfect. Go to a team Match where I can heaven. just openly, just unprofessionally despise you on Twitter. What's next for you? According to... Friend of the pod, John Heyman. Rollis Chapman's hearing to appeal a three-game ban for throwing at Ray's Mike Brousseau has been put off until next year. Would you like to know why, Bobby? That's because it's due to an issue involving availability of witnesses. <laughs> availability of witnesses. Where'd they go? <laughs> Did they interview hap- like fans during the regular season? Like, what witnesses aren't there that would be there in a normal circumstance? Like, are your umpires' schedules that booked for the next month? Yeah, and have been for the last three weeks. Joe West said between umpiring the playoffs and the World Series and laying down the fucking tracks to my third studio country album, I got no time for this. Yeah, None. no yeah. time. He's like hit. Hit my line in November. Talk Rob. to my talk to my agent. Talk to my A and R. I don't understand. We do everything via Zoom these days. That's how this. That's how the last six months of the world have worked. No, Literally. don't you remember when Rob Manfred and Tony Clark met in person in Arizona to hash out the deal <laughs> to get the season started? Do remember that? Wow. Rob says no zooms, bro. I I'm I just want more answers you know this is the kind of thing that only breeds more questions and i really just want to know who the witnesses are and why their schedules have been so busy over the last few weeks and will be so busy that no punishment will be doled out until next baseball season that's like that's laughable this feels like one of those things where like someone from the yankees front office was like rob just put it off till next season Kind of like how someone from the 
Houston front office or ownership group was like, don't suspend Yuli Gurriel during the World Series. It's going to be a bad look for competition or whatever. Meanwhile, Chapman, yeah, because there's no justice in the world at all, Chapman doesn't get suspended and is also now back to throwing 101 and he's absolutely filthy. So, I mean, just fuck me, I guess. I have nothing else to say on it. Major League Baseball is not very good at imposing their punitive justice. We're anti-punitive justice, but if you're going to do it, I wish you'd be good at it anyway, you know? Okay, are you ready for my third? I am. By the way, put that on a t-shirt. We're anti-punitive justice, except when we want punitive justice. That'll sell like hotcakes among our followers, I'm sure. <laughs> what could go wrong? Uh, my third one this week is... <laughs> it's not even funny. It's not... Here it is. It's... Now that the playoffs are starting, and the World Series is scheduled to start on October 23rd, which is approximately a month from now. So it's going to end about a month and change from now. That means we are less than six weeks away, Alex, from maybe the worst offseason of discourse in the history of baseball. If you think about all of the contributing factors, all of the ingredients in this potion of this offseason, man, it's going to be fucking bad. You thought last year was bad? You thought two years ago was bad. This year is going to be bad. Just bad natured, bad takes. The owners are going to be on one like they never have been. They're going to be like, we just got fucking hammered this year by this pandemic. No fans. Blah, 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 blah. We gave you what you wanted. We gave you your per game fucking salaries. All of this shit. It's just they're just going to weaponize it even worse than they did this past offseason when they were trying to hash out a deal to play. Because the pandemic's not going to be gone by next spring. So they are going to have to argue about that still. And they are going to have to have it out about how the last round of labor negotiations went. And it's one year removed from when they're going to have to come to an agreement about a new CBA. And potentially have a work stoppage. So combine that with the fact of what we talked about earlier in this podcast with MLB's um, timid embrace of any element of social justice and you now have just the absolute worst concoction for the the worst takes imaginable out of the baseball world in this offseason and we thought we were weathered vets about how we talk about baseball during the offseason before man we better fucking strap in that's all i gotta say put that in your pipe and smoke it brother (laughs) i'm assuming that we're gonna conveniently ignore the the $3.7 billion deal between Major League Baseball and Turner Sports, which is going to allow Major League Baseball teams to pocket approximately $18 million per year over this seven-year deal. Just that for the playoffs. Just, just for the playoffs, right. We're not, but that we're not going to talk about that, right? Like that's, that all goes to um, like operating costs or, or, or like, or like, you know, man, you factor in like, fucking capital gains oh, tax, bro. I oh, overheads. I don't know how this shit works. Got to pay the people who negotiated it. You know, the lawyers, you know, basically you get like fucking 20 bucks after all that's gone. And we're going to ignore the fact that um, income is actually at a high over the last couple decades. Right. According to some research from from the folks over at Baseball Prospectus, that um, the baseball teams are actually raking in more money than ever before. That's 
this this is this is divorced from what we're talking about, right? Like, yeah. Well, and now that you mention it, so poor. Now that you mention it, we should also ignore that baseball teams appreciate more than any other investment in basically any financial sector of this country. Yeah, we should ignore that too. You know, let's ignore the overwhelming evidence given the Mets sale. I mean, let's throw that one out. Okay, what I will say is that if you do ignore all the evidence, it looks pretty fucking bleak for baseball right now. And the owners. Like, it's specifically a dire the owners. future. And specifically the owners. The piece of like, evidence that we shouldn't ignore is that the players are overpaid and spoiled. We should remember that as we right. go into this offseason. Yeah, exactly. All right. Okay, cool. what's your well, third down? I'm excited, and this, the, uh, this all will go very well. Um, <laughs> the third down for me is that our dads in San Diego, the San Diego Padres, are officially breaking into the real estate business, baby. The dads are landlords. Listen to this sentence from the San Diego Union Tribune. Union Tribune. The San Diego Padres have won the opportunity to turn four city blocks, currently used oh as a Petco Park parking lot, into an urban square where technology workers commingle with artisans and baseball fans. I almost want you to read that again. That's like, <laughs> wow. That feels like it's out of an NYU press release. Artisans and baseball fans. What the fuck do they have to talk about? Well, they don't have to talk. They just have to co-mingle. Oh, that's true. They just have to co-mingle. As long as they're brushing elbows while they order their IPA, that's enough. He says as he drinks an IPA on the podcast. <laughs> shh, shh. <laughs> When I went to San Diego like, last year for the first time, I said to you, I said, big fat gentrification enter- energy. Gentrification fucking 101 right here. This is, a, this is a revitalization of a downtown if I've ever seen one, my friend. I mean, even the, the rendering for it, you, you just mentioned NYU, but like the rendering for it looks like NYU's rendering for their gymnasium oh yeah classroom complex bullshit whatever that was yeah there's definitely like a garden on the roof and they're like we're doing this for sustainability i don't know what to tell you like there's definitely an image like creation platform that just has clip art that these people can just drag in to their to their renderings that's why it all looks the same yeah it's like the sims but for gentrification that's exactly what it is (laughs) wow padres come on bro (laughs) Nothing like weaponizing all of this goodwill to become gentrifying landlords. <laughs> Was there any other logical outcome? Well, they are the team that embraces the military like more than any other. They wear like yeah. camo every weekend. I know. That's that's an underrated aspect. We don't talk about that enough on this podcast. Okay. Time for our ups. I would like you to go first. Um, the first thing up on my list is simply Jose Ramirez who is an absolute goddamn joy to watch play baseball in part because I I think I may have said this before, but I like watching him play baseball because it kind of looks like he shouldn't be playing baseball, not in the sense that he's not athletic or doesn't look like he should be good at the game, but he just kind of, he looks like a baseball player like out of the 1930s or forties where there's no real rhyme or reason to his stance in the box. And he just kind of walks up with a big old wad of dip or something in his lip 
And then he just fucking swings out of his ass and hits a dinger and waltzes right into the MVP conversation. Like this man is a gem. Yeah. An absolute gem. Not only have we not done anything to deserve him, but the Cleveland organization has done even less to deserve him. I Truly. Say. And many of their they fans. They got real, real lucky there. An absolute king. A five foot eight king. Five foot eight king. Had a had a had a bit of a bit of a rocky year last year, you know. There's some some questions about does he deserve the you know that place among the top players in baseball? Yes. Aside Frankie yes, Lindor, he does. Yes, he does. He absolutely fucking does. Agreed. Okay, speaking of the top players in baseball, the first up on my list this week is the absolutely unhinged conspiracy theory that I am starting, I am speaking into existence, and it is that Nolan Arenado is going to be a New York Met within the next two years. That's it. That's the up. You had me at unhinged conspiracy theory. <laughs> What's the... Is there is there rationale to this? Or I don't is it really just know. kind of like, I want, I want, I want, so it will be. Jake and Jordan asked me the same question when I have um, spouted this conspiracy theory to them as well. The The rationale is that he clearly fucking hates Colorado. He hates playing for the Rockies now. They've He's basically given an interview to anyone who will listen about how they haven't been able to build a contender around him, despite the fact that he's worth like nine war every year. Yeah. He just signed a massive extension for a lot of money. Colorado notoriously doesn't really spend like that, unless it's on Wade Davis post-prime and we got that that Steve Cohen money baby we got all that cash on our hands now so the Mets are going to just you know we'll say this we'll take we'll take Nolan off your hands you guys see that uh Giancarlo stand to the Yankees trade why don't we just work one of those out and um it's no longer going to be Todd Frazier at the hot corner it's no longer going to be JD Davis who played third like seven days of his life no longer going to be Jeff McNeil, who is very obviously a second baseman, but for some reason plays only left field and third base for the Mets. It's going to be Nolan Arenado. Right up there with the best defensive third baseman in the league. Obviously incredible with the bat. And it's not just Coors Field. So that's my take. I'm willing it into existence. Maybe he opts out and the Mets sign him. Maybe they trade for him. A guy can dream, Alex. And I got to say, I'm not above being a shill. I'm not above selling out. If Steve Cohen <laughs> finds a way to get Nolan Arenado in Queens, guess what? Steve Cohen, fucking That's good it. now. You're in. Yes. That's all it takes. That's the thing that about owners is that they don't get is like it's so easy to actually get fans on your side. Oh my god. Like it's so do, fans do literally one so thing. little. So little of owners. And they mo- still mostly don't do those things. So what are you going to do? Okay, what's up for you? Next on my list is the, is the guy who, who wandered into Miller Park this past week. Surveillance footage caught him. Um, just wandering around the concourse. Who am I? Commandeering, commandeering a, a tractor, carving his name into the field. I... It, it seemed like the kind of afternoon where he just kind of didn't really know what to do with his day. You know, it's a beautiful day. You want to get outside. And so why not break into a baseball stadium and commandeer a tractor 
and write your name on the on the field. I the surveillance footage for this, if you haven't seen it, is really like it's very clear that he didn't really have a a goal <laughs> for what to do once he got inside the park. And so as he walks in, he's kind of just like looking around, walking past the the food vending stations. Unless unless you're like super romantic about the idea of baseball and you just want to go out to center field and like feel the grass on your cheek, there's like nothing else to do in a baseball stadium. There's really nothing is. It's a it's a concrete mass with, with nobody some grass there and dirt and like no. Even when you go to a baseball game in like you know September or August of a team that's been eliminated that doesn't sell well, that doesn't sell tickets well. Even then, it's like there's nothing to do if you're just walking around the concourse. Like all of the concession stands yeah. are closed. There's nobody there. There's only like four places that you can get a beer, and the line is like around the fucking corner because of that. So, like, if you're in there overnight, you broke in. What are you doing? But I mean, this guy made the most of it. He re- he really did. He left his mark on the field, quite literally. And I I I feel like this is probably what I would do if I felt the urge to break into a baseball park is get inside and then just say, damn, we in here, bro. (laughs) This shit's wild. Right. (laughs) And walk around from left field to right field and then say, my work here is done. The real answer is that you and I break in together. We bring like a a, a little case of PBR (laughs) and a couple microphones. And it's our happy hour pod live from Miller park. It's tipping pitches. Okay, we got okay, we got to really move through these last few. Okay, so I'm going to go fast through this. My my second up this week is just the NL MVP race. Because I'd say the three favorites for the NL MVP this year are Freddie Freeman, Fernando Tatis based on the first 30ish games and not the last 25ish games where he's been pretty bad. And one Manny Machado. And I feel like each one of those three people represents a different thing that I like, respect, and is good for the game. Freddie Freeman represents a very reliable, kind of underrated, beloved superstar who is just fucking good at hitting. I would describe him as a a professional hitter. And I think that's fun to watch. He's like this generation's Keith Hernandez. Fernando Tatis, we've talked about him at length. Don't need to explain don't need to belabor what he means to the game and then Manny Machado is a podcast favorite is much maligned in the baseball community but for the people who do appreciate him like he has earned it's great that he's good because he goes to San Diego he is part of their rebuild he is part of their push for contention and he's fucking great he's an MVP candidate and he's on that $300 million contract. So it's not an excuse for teams to be like, I'm never giving out that type of contract to the next superstar that comes up. And also like, it's frankly good to have a little, to have superstars who have a little swagger, to have superstars who create enemies, to have superstars who other fan bases dislike. Like that is good and healthy for the game. And so each one of these three MVP candidates means something different to me, means something different to the game of baseball. But I think ultimately it's good that these three guys are in the race. It's not just like three dudes having good years anonymously, you know? 
I absolutely agree. Freddie Freeman does not get the love he deserves. I think part of it is he plays on the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. And he is a first baseman and he isn't particularly flashy, but he's a really smart baseball player. And that doesn't that is not always the kind of thing that shows up in the in the box score or that you can post highlights of on Twitter. But good dude. Good player. And I guess the person that I omitted is also Mookie Betts, which like yes. he's great. Yeah, he's, like, he's great for the game like for action. obvious reasons because he's like the face of baseball. He just got traded to LA. He's going to be there forever. He's going to be. Yeah, and has a reasonable chance to win MVP. As and well. he, you know, he sold the most jerseys in baseball this year, obviously because he switched teams. But it's good that he's also in the conversation too because fuck the Red Sox. Okay. Your final up this week. Last week, we talked at length about Joe West and, and his musical career. Sorry to everybody. Everybody was like, fuck you guys. The uniform week, response to that was just like, why would you guys do this to us? <laughs> this week, I want to talk about a former baseball player just making music for the masses, for the fans. That's one Barry Zito. Hey. Shouts out to my mother for passing this along. As always, the most important bits on this podcast Shadow producer come Lisa. From, come from her. Yeah, exactly. With the Y. Happy belated birthday. Hey. Barry Zito released a song called Ballpark Kids this past week. With a nice cold mountain dew. We were ballpark kids. The boys of summer rocking t-shirts with our name and number. We were loud, proud. Three strikes, you're out. Barry Zito singing about, singing about drinking beer. And playing baseball. And honestly, it's a it's a pretty good song. Like the guy is a is a genuine musician who knows how to make a good song. A good song that sounds good. It's a it's a country, it's a country song. Now, my my favorite part of this is the fact that this is a guy who is from Las Vegas who grew up in Southern California. And he has the biggest Southern twang I have ever heard. Yeah. He does not talk like this. This is not a real Southern accent that Barry Zito, who grew up in California and pitched for his entire career in California. (laughs) This is not something he has adopted. (laughs) But I got to respect him just kind of leaning into the genre a little bit. Hamming it up, as they say. Barry Zito, I, 7.8, Pitchfork Best New Music. In my opinion, I think our, our coup de gras, our magnum opus, would be for us to organize a battle of the bands baseball style. For everybody who's been in the baseball world, professional players, umpires in the case of joe west they come together they do a little um, a little competition and we award the winner at the end what do you think before we die can we make that happen absolutely yeah get some barry zito get some bernie williams joe west more people That's that have made music other, we'll have to other, look other. into it mm-hmm. yep yeah but they're out there for sure okay my final one this week because this is just an insanely absurdly long podcast and um i'm sorry for that I'll be quick. The Reds tweeted out a statement about the resignation of uh, their former broadcaster, Tom Brenneman, who many of you will remember 
uttered a a an anti-LGBTQ slur live on the air. And the responses to the tweet are my third up this week. It's just everybody, everybody uniformly saying the same response, which was the quote that Brenneman said on the air as his apology. It goes like this. I pride myself and think of myself as a man of faith. As there's a drive into deep left field by Castellanos, and that'll be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ball game. I don't know if I'll be putting on this headset again, whether that be for the Reds or my bosses at Fox. And everybody replied to the tweet said that. Just everybody replying to the tweet. And you know what, Alex? You know what I fucking love? Collective action. That's what I love. I love collective action. Whether that's baseball fans, whether that's fucking labor unions, no matter what it is, collective action, it can be good. That's my final up this week. Drop pot flies and coach high fives. Hot dog on a bun. Thank you to Jake Minson, Jordan Schusterman of Cespedes Family Barbecue. Thank you to everybody who made it through this marathon podcast. Thank you to you, Alex Baisley. Thank you to the people who make Aperol and Prosecco for this happy hour podcast. This has been fun. And that's a, that's a four all ball game right there. I'll hand it back to you, Bobby. No free ads though. Um, not the people who actually make the Aperol branded Aperol. No free ads. Unless they want to pay us for this spot right here. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will um, talk to you next week when the playoffs are like well underway. We're in the second round. Whatever. It's fine. Bye, everyone. Now it's nine to five.